I'm going to ask that we join in prayer. Creator God, please open our hearts and minds to your word so that when scripture is read and your message is proclaimed, that we may hear it, take it, digest with it, and go out into the world and use it properly. In your name we pray. Amen. Hear these words from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in the, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife, Sarai, and his brother's son, Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Entering a four-week series on, uh, or season on stewardship. Last year during this time, uh, we learned about how God is exceedingly generous and abundant in God's love for us. And we started off by, by using the, the first image that comes up in Scripture, where God created the world, God stretched out the canopy of the sky, and set the innumerable stars in their place. God crafted this world and placed upon it many living things and filled it with so many good plants and trees to nourish us well. And God was still more generous, creating us, fashioning us wonderfully well, filling our lungs with breath, and inviting us to delight in the beauty of this world just as God does. But more than that, God was continuing to be generous in the way that, that uh, God didn't just say, you know, here's a, here's a coloring book and some crayons, go sit in the corner. No, God invites us into what God's job and task is, which is continuing to, to, to form and shape and care for creation really well. And 
Later on, when Jesus comes to, to share God's love with the world, it's about inviting us back to that vision of human life, where we use who we are and what we're given for the care and love of this world. And so, all throughout Scripture, it tells a story about how being created and called to live into God, being like God is about living generously. So that's, that's kind of a snippet of what we uh, discovered last year around this time. And um, since we have that foundation now, the stewardship team and, and I dreamt up another way to dive deeper into the life of faith. Um, and so our theme, which is printed here on the screens and on your bulletin, is God will provide and we are invited to trust and so over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is look into the, the story of people's lives in Scripture and, and look at moments when God invited them to trust in Him and God saying that God would provide something. And so um, I think this is going to be a really fun season, and um, I'm really excited to get into this because, you know, sometimes it's really easy to trust God, and sometimes it's, it's, it's not easy but I believe it's always worth it. And I hope that, that you can begin to trust that throughout the next four weeks. So today I've focused mainly on um, trusting God, especially with important things. And our story for this morning, we heard it uh, from Marion who read the, the scripture passage from Genesis 12, is about a guy named Abram who later is renamed Abraham. About I'll just use Abraham. Uh, it's easier. So Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And, and before we dive right into this in chapter 12, I want to step back and get a little bit broader picture of what's going on. So if you had your Bible in front of you, you got the first two chapters where we talked about it. It's a picture of abundant creation. God and humans are close and connected and in harmony. But in chapter three, just go a little ways into scripture and the humans that God have created turn away and begin trusting in another word rather than God's word for life. And guilt pierces the human heart when God comes walking through the garden and asks, where are you? While the fruit of betrayal is still dripping from the lips of the man and woman because they ate from the tree that God said not to. And so ashamed, they hide, not just from God, but from one another. And they point the finger of blame upon one another. So the harmony of creation is in discord and the seeds of division sown. Going from chapter 3 into chapter 4, and chapter 4 to 11 chronicles the earthquake of consequences that ripple through the human family where jealousy and hatred leads to murder, and one murder leads to more and more bloodshed. And before long, all creation is affected by human hearts that have turned inward and divisions that persist everywhere. And it all comes to this climax in chapter 11 with a story about the humans trying to reach heaven with this tower called Babel, and maybe you've heard of it. And God sees these hard-hearted, private humans have engineered this feat and will only continue to perpetuate evil in the world. And so God, can, God confuses them by making them to speak all different languages and divides them and breaks apart the human family and disperses them across the earth. 
Now, I just want to take a moment because whether or not you believe this is a factual story, it nonetheless points to divisions within humanity which are alive and well today. I don't know if, if you've seen it, but it's, it's not too hard for when I read the newspaper or turn on cable news, I see it. And in right now in our own country, it's so easy to become more and more divided or suspicious of others. There's so many ways to hide from each other or blame one another or never have to connect with someone who doesn't think like you. And so maybe you begin to wonder, where is God? What, what is God doing? Does God care about any of this? And it's easy in, 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 at times in a world where you don't feel safe or you have these questions to cling a little tighter to, to your wallet or harder to step out from the, from the comforts of homes or communities that are safe, let alone feel inclined to sow seeds of hope in this world. But the amazing thing is that this sort of divide, divided world is, is, is where we meet up with Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 12. After their family was dispersed at Babel, they kind of wander around until they finally settle in this land called Haran, where they, I suppose, carved out this comfortable life that was safe and provided them with a future that they could count on. But one day, God disrupts that cozy little life and calls him to something different. Recall the words. God says, get up and go from your country and your family and your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. Now, our uh, ma- office manager, Jan, brings this study Bible to our staff meetings each week. And it had this to say about the significance of land and family and household. It said this, God's covenant with Abram's targets the most essential elements of identity in the value system of the ancient Near East. Land was connected to one's survival, livelihood, and political identity. Family linked the past and present and future, and it was the source of one's most basic sense of identity, more than, more than the self for us today. Inheritance, leaving one's father's household, fixed one's place in the family and ensured that the generations past would be remembered in the present and the future. And so when Abram gave up his place in the father's house, he forfeited his security. And so he was putting his survival, his identity, his future, his security in the hands of the Lord. God who promised in return, saying, get up and go and I will give you land and I will make of you a great nation and I will make your name great. Imagine, and perhaps it's all too easy to imagine, you live in this, this chaotic, divisive world where you're just hoping to survive. And God says, give up everything that means something to you and provides any comfort and offers any security because I want you to have a new land and a new family and a great name for the history books. Acceptably better because it won't just 
benefit you and enrich your life, but all the families, all the families of the world as well. God promises this big, big thing, but will they trust God? Will they trust God? I wonder how this story hits you and how you identify with the place of of Abraham and Sarah in this, and if you can. Because maybe you're somebody who has heard God's call like them in the past and you've left much behind to follow God and trust in God and put your heart and your mind and your everything into what God's inviting you toward. And you said there's, there's no greater sense than living and allowing myself to be led by God. So you've left much behind. Or maybe you're at the moment of hearing God's call right now in your own life, inviting you to leave behind something you've been clinging on to is important and life-giving to you. Or maybe, maybe God is not asking you to let go of something physical, but maybe God is asking for a change of perspective, inviting you away from conspiring only how to meet your own needs and securities or future, and instead inviting you to see your home or your job or your bank account or your education or whatever it is that is part of your life is truly a gift from God. A gift that is supposed to enrich your life, but also perhaps your neighbor as well, or the least among us, or maybe somebody who will one day come and you don't even know of yet. In any case, God invites us to leave behind the comfort or perhaps the anxieties of building our own life and to trust a broader vision where I place my my life in the hands of God even in a broken world because it will lead to a richer life and blessings beyond myself. And I believe when, when we live and lead in this, in, this, in this manner that it brings God's heart to light. But to be honest, making such decisions to trust is hard and oftentimes doesn't pay off right away. It happens this way for Abraham and Sarah when they pack up to go with their promises in hand. They leave, but when they leave home, Immediately, a famine strikes. They go to Egypt and they get into trouble. They encounter other enemies, and Abraham needs to either figure out how to wield a sword or know how to lead a rescue mission or figure out how to use his words as a diplomat. And all the while, his wife Sarah is getting older and is still barren. And if if To be honest, if I met this list of maladies, I might yell up to God and be like, God, what gives here? I I trusted you and you made some promises. But if you read the story, God shows up time and time again in, in subtle and overt ways. God shows up and works things out in Egypt. God navigates the peace treaty and is Abraham's strength in battle. And finally, in Genesis 15, God shows up and says, do not be afraid. One of the most important commands and most frequent commands in Scripture, do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your reward, and your reward will be very great. But God, 
I followed you and I continue to be childless. No future. So God said, look up to heaven and count the stars. And so shall your descendants be. In a divisive, broken, chaotic world with little evidence that things were working out, Abraham and Sarah continued to trust in God and live generously, which is shown a little bit later when three strangers come to visit and they put on this lavish meal. And it turns out that they're actually hosting God. And these visitors remind the couple of God's promises to provide a child. And God follows through nine months later from that moment. Abraham and Sarah welcome a baby boy, and they finally, after that, reach the land that is promised to them. But maybe you're thinking, okay, but where is the greatness of the land? Where is the greatness of all these things that were really promised? But it takes, it, it takes a larger step back to see the picture. All the promises came true years later. Through Abraham's son, Isaac, there came his grandson, Jacob, whose sons were the 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel, a nation God called to be his own blessing in the world and to show God's ways. And through that great nation of Israel, God was birthed into the world through Mary, who was a Jew. God became like one of us in Jesus to bless all the world through his love. And after Jesus, God poured out the Holy Spirit upon all flesh so that all might be welcomed back into union with God and take up our role next to God as was designed in the beginning. All flesh is blessed with union with God, and we are now truly reunited with one another through the work of the Spirit, through the work of Jesus, through Israel, and through the faithful act of one man and one woman who trusted in God's promises. And I want you to hear this. If nothing else, I want you to know that the amazing thing is that you are one of those stars in the sky that God was promising to Abraham. You are the fulfillment of a promise long ago which Abraham and Sarah got up and went for and put all their trust in God. And through the life of this one man and one woman's trust, your life is blessed. And you know God. And so these are the promises that are yours today and always. That you are beautifully and wonderfully made. That Jesus has shown us that that God loves you and me and us in this world. And nothing can make God love us any more. And nothing can make God love us any less. You are gifted with God's own spirit, and God has set his promises upon you all your days. And you are part of God's plan to heal this world. And so the question becomes, are you willing to place your trust in God? Are you willing to step out from the shelters of comfort Are you willing to make an investment in something that perhaps you won't enjoy but will be enjoyed by others who will come after you just as you enjoy and we enjoy the splendor of the riches of God in this moment? Are you willing to trust that even in a broken world, in a world that hurts, that the seeds of generosity you show can be a life-giving gift? Let's pray.
Lord our God, in the words that have been spoken, in the words that have been heard, between those two things, may you be powerfully present and working in the hearts of each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.